Rolling. We're rolling. All right, artists we know. This is Aiden. This is Kyle. Today we're here with Shane Walsh. Hey, Shane. Finally, yeah. The day has come. <laughs> this, uh, yeah. I mean, when Kyle and I first started, we, we made had the idea list. for the podcast. We made a list of like names of who we wanted. I think you were one of the first names. So I'm honored. This is a landmark. I'm humbled. <laughs> <laughs> um, how's your weekend? Me? Anyone? <laughs> It's fine. Do anything? Not really. How about you? Uh, I went to uh, Ridge Run Park yesterday in West Bend. Oh, nice. Uh, it's this park. And the reason I know is because I used to teach at UW Washington County okay. in West Bend. Okay. And there's this park, which is kind of like the drift, or not driftless, but like the Kettle Moraine area. Mm. So there's like hills, and it's mm. like really beautiful and yeah. kind of a, like a weird gem. It's in West Bend, like right, right on, like next to the campus of UW Washington County. Is there uh, like a little pond or like lake mm-hmm. that has like a yep. dam? Yeah, or yeah, something? yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's totally yeah, the park. I was hiking there just yeah. like a few months ago. And it's oh, cool wow. because there are like walking paths that are like really high up on yeah. these ridges that yeah. are like even in Wisconsin. Like yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Um, when I was coming back from Wyoming, we drove through like the Iowa, like the bottom left part of Wisconsin. There are like these huge. Yeah. Cliffs, and I had no idea Wisconsin even had that kind of, you yeah, know. Driftless didn't get sanded down by the glaciers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah like so that's what park? I did. That's what I did yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Solid. Uh, yeah, there's good hiking there. They have a, a natural spring there. You can like fill your water bottles and. You drink out of that. You trust it? I don't know. Why not? It's probably good. Giardia. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Derek was talking about. Um, like boil emergency in Milwaukee in the like what's that early 90s yeah crypto spirit yeah, 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 yeah. it was that? like that and Dahmer were happening at the same time <laughs> that's it was not said. not a good moment for <laughs> <Yeah>. Milwaukee <laughs> um, yeah have you ever gotten a b12 shot no but I know that you guys just posted something about that <laughs> I try to I try to get all of the uh, like I don't take supplements I try yeah. to just like eat fruits and vegetables and get everything I need from that. that yeah. That's I mean? probably the best way. <laughs> yeah, I mean I try to do the same. I uh, I don't know that changed my life though. If you can actually feel a tangible difference, still mm-hmm. yeah. Cool update. Well, and it was just like I don't know. I was feeling kind of like lethargic and like sleepy, and then I got the shot, and then all of a sudden I was like in a good mood and. I could go around. You're and gonna like be a B12 junkie. Now. Yeah, I'm an advocate. Be careful! For B12. Be careful! You're gonna get hooked. <laughs> I'm a B12 advocate. Yeah, I said I was gonna drop out of working in school and everything and just advocate for B12 full time. Sounds like a good idea. Um, did you listen to uh, Kanye and Rogan? I listened to some of it. It is pretty good so far. Did you hear it? I'm totally off the grid in terms oh, of that stuff. Okay. Um, Kanye West on, a, one on Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan. Yeah, it was good. I will say two things. He sounded a little paranoid when he was talking about the doctors giving him a pill that make him gain weight. And then he's like, no, I don't want that one. They're like, all right, we'll, make, we'll give we'll you give one you that another. won't make. But see, here's the thing. is what the, My first thought, and maybe you know, he's in a higher position than me, so maybe he's got people who are targeting him or something. But my first thought was, I'm my guess is the the weight gain pill that side effect was was less severe than the alternative or like the side effect of the other pill would have been like diarrhea every day you know what i mean like something less comfortable and i just wonder if like that was the you know but that's just me midwest i have no people who you know are trying to take me down (laughs) at least i don't think i'm not a pharmacist (laughs) so i have no idea (laughs) 
Um, no, I mean, it was good, though. He's, uh, he's kind of all over the place, but... I don't know. After listening to it, I actually came away thinking that he is more sane than I was thinking he was. That there were times when I thought he's been, like, kind of out there. Um, but after watching it, I actually got the vibe that, like, no, he's just, like, this creative he has, like, person. And um, it's hard for, like, especially, like, news outlets and stuff to, like, Deal with be him. like, oh, hey, that you're creative. It's like, no, you're crazy. Yeah. You know? Do you listen to any podcasts besides artists we know? <laughs> <laughs> I listen to Hidden Brain. What's that one about? Uh, about, like, neuroscience. And, oh, sweet. And, yeah, it's good. It's really good. I listen to, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, Deep Color, which mm. is a good painting one. and um, Sound and Vision. Yeah, Sound and Vision, I think, is good. And uh, To the Best of Our Knowledge, which is actually produced by Wisconsin Public Radio, is really... Oh, wow. Really pretty awesome. Shout out to them. Yeah. Yeah. Pick us up. Yeah. <laughs> if you need a, a sh- another show. Yeah. You need another. Yeah. Yeah. This one to the podcast. We're, like it. we're available. Um. Should we jump into it? Yeah. Um. So. Shane Walsh, your painter, part-time musician. I've heard. Mm, I wouldn't say part-time. <laughs> um, what's your earliest? Art memory. Well, uh, my father was a industrial designer for Mercury Marine, and was the head of the art department there. So I kind of right from the minute I was in the world, I was kind of exposed to that because he mm-hmm. had stuff everywhere. And he also attended Leighton School of Art, which was like the was my ad before my ad oh, okay. had to oh, rebrand yeah. and collapse. That's so, right. And that was kind of like a Bauhaus style art yeah. school in mm-hmm. Milwaukee in the fifties and sixties. And so he actually. There's a couple of paintings this that is? were, yeah, wow. done by him. So I grew up around, like, immersed with it. So yeah. it was... So it was just destiny then. <clears throat> yeah, I guess. I yeah. mean, that definitely, I'm sure, shaped what I yeah. thought about what was going to happen. Wow. Um, so you got your BFA at Maya in 2001. Yep. Was that influenced by your dad? Uh, I think, that, you know, I was so young that mm-hmm. I just didn't know, mm-hmm. like, hey, maybe I should check out Micah or RISD mm-hmm. or... SAIC like mm-hmm. I just didn't I was like you know as a 18 year old kid I was like it's convenient it's close I'm that's how I do felt that. too it's yeah. tough because it's like I you're just like your scope is not that right you just wide. don't know yeah and yeah. unless you have someone that really knows their stuff it's like look maybe you should get a pamphlet from yeah Micah maybe this is a better choice yeah uh you just you're gonna you're gonna you know you're gonna default to that I think yeah did you have art in school growing up when yeah, I mean, there, there are art programs, because was, this is still like the late 80s, early 90s, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm 42 years old, so <clears throat> this is before all the really drastic, like, cuts, cuts to programs yeah. like that, so there are still, like, healthy art programs, Yeah, yeah. and, uh, yeah, because I transferred, I went to, like, three different high schools during the, for the four years that I was, and so, like, the last one, there's this guy that taught at Oshkosh North, um, that was, like, super supportive. He was a ceramicist, but he was, like, really, he, you know, I think that he, that he like, was super supportive, like, you should go to art school. And mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of already knew that I was going to do that, but mm-hmm. yeah. it was just, like, yeah. So then you got your MFA at the University of Washington in 2006. Yep. Um, what was Washington in the mid-2000s like? Uh, Seattle was great. I yeah. mean, I really loved living mm-hmm. there. It was a cool uh, place to be. I mean, because the city itself was really great. 
you know, obviously like music and culture was awesome. And then obviously just the beauty of the Pacific Northwest, like you could drive into the Cascade Mountains or the Olympic Peninsula and that yeah. was just like, wow, like mind-blowingly cool. But uh, the, the art scene in Seattle, I think is, is even though it's like a cosmopolitan city, it's yeah. pretty provincial. Okay. Like I'd say Milwaukee has a better Really? I mean, here's here's the first hot take. Uh, I, I think that a place like Milwaukee has a better art scene than a place like Seattle. At least it did when I was when I was there. And it's been a number of. I mean, I moved from Seattle in 2008, so yeah. so I don't know what it's like now. I know it's very different, but I, it's still artistically speaking more provincial than you'd think. Mm. Hmm. Did did Seattle have a direct influence on your work at all? Um, I mean, people have said like those early shipwreck paintings because yeah. they're kind of like misty and atmospheric. Yeah, yeah. I do think that maybe, yeah, maybe that has something to do with it. You okay. know, did it rain a lot there? It was a. It did. It yeah. did. I mean, it, I know it's like a trope. Yeah, yeah. it ra- it rained a lot from like uh, <laughs> November through February. But the the thing that people don't say is like the summers are amazing. Right. Because you don't get any humidity, so like the summers like June, July, August, yeah, yeah. even September are like no humidity 80 degrees every day and like wow. clear it's amazing wow did you when you were in washington did you travel around the pacific northwest yeah a little bit i mean i think that one of my regrets maybe was not doing that more like i um yeah i got up to like bellingham and i would go there's this great one of my favorite places on earth in the cascade mountains which is like this super high elevation mountain like stream that has these different like layers of a waterfall and you can jump off this rock oh, wow. into oh, this sweet. really deep pool yeah. i mean it's, and you're in the mountains like you're looking up at like um wow. so i luckily I'd, i took a little bit of advantage of that stuff but i should have done that more yeah because washington has i mean they have like every biome you could totally take yeah, yeah. eastern washington desert, is weird as like have, yeah, yeah highland desert with like tumbleweed wow. and like yeah. it's really weird yeah 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 i've been meaning to make make it out there i've always wanted to see washington yeah it's amazing um so okay yeah kind of going back to part-time musician is it true that you used to dj <laughs> is it time? true <laughs> well, it's, like, it's, like like le- it's like a legend yeah. about it but yeah yeah i did i used to be um it's funny because like i'd yeah, when I was an undergrad at Myad, like mm-hmm. I was, I mean, I was a pretty terrible st- art student because I was more interested in like independent hip hop that was going on in the '90s mm-hmm. and yeah. DJ culture. So I spent actually a lot more time doing that than I did <clears throat> art. But that was like it was like happening, right? Yeah, you know, like, totally. I mean, I, I like opened for like, for, I mean, I, I got good at DJing. I was interested in it, and so I used to open for like De La Soul and Cool Keith, and like, oh, I still sweet. have like all of, like the the, the, the backstage passes in like a box in there. And <sighs> That's stuff. epic. And, uh, you know, I was, I knew like the dudes in Rhymes Sayers and Atmosphere and like, mm-hmm. a, like when that was happening. So yeah. it, was, it was cool. But, um, yeah, I think at, at a certain point, like in the early 2000s, I was like, wait a minute, like art is what I want to do. And I was kind of off track and I was like, I gotta, yeah. I gotta get my ish together and like, how old were you at that up. point? Mm, early twenties. Okay. Well, while we're talking about music, who are your favorite, um, hip hop? Well, I mean, I, the golden era stuff, you know, like anything from basically like 1985 to, I mean, it's my interest stops at about 2000. Like I can't really listen to contemporary hip hop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just a totally different thing. Like if you listen to like a, you know, like a, like the beat nuts or, you know, or like the Soul or something, it's like, it doesn't even sound like contemporary yeah. hip hop. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do honestly with like sampling. Once mm. you couldn't sample anymore, my interest dropped off. Yeah. Cause it was never like necessarily the, 
I mean, I have favorite MCs like MF Doom or like yeah. AG from Showbiz and AG and um, or like Pharaoh Mons from Organized Confusion. But uh, it was always like the like the, the kind of the sample DIY stuff that I liked the most. Okay. And that's what attracted me to DJ culture, I think, to begin yeah. with. The fact that you could take loops from previously existing records and make new things out of them was the thing that like really was like, exciting to me when I first got into hip hop. So I think that once that became prohibited, and it was just kind of like these cold electronic like keyboard beats. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm out. Like, yeah. This is not what I got into it for to begin with, you know. Paul's boutique was like one of the last, right? Well, it was, it's it's famous because it was they calculated how much that would cost to clear the samples, and it's like in the <laughs> like billions of dollars because they're sampling like the Beatles. Yeah. And, like, do you know how much of that? Would, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's exciting. I mean, when you listen to Paul's boutique, you're like, oh my god. It's like a whole soundscape. Yeah. It's like crazy. Um, yeah. It's, but that's yeah. exciting to me. Like that's kind of I think what initially attracted me to. I think sampling kind of like made a comeback, but it's it's just different. It's like like you said, you listen to De La Soul and like Playboy Cardi today. You know, it's yeah. like two different genres almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, totally. Uh, does your relationship with music influence your visual art? Yeah, big time, totally. Just like that culture. Yeah, I mean, I think that the way that I think about painting is probably also very similar to the way that I like sampling. Mm-hmm. Like you're taking things, you're mm. chopping them up, you're reorganizing them, you're putting them back into context. <clears throat> so it's like a DJ's approach to ab- like historical abstraction, even, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah you kind of mentioned like the MTV. <clears throat> yeah, you. I mean, I think in the last couple of years I was thinking a lot about the things that were kind of like the bedrock of my exposure to the visual world and that had a huge impact on it. And I've done, you know, I've been doing research <clears throat> um, about like, the things that I was seeing and a lot of like the animation or the visual parts of MTV in like the late 80s and early 90s were done by Cal Arts mm-hmm. students. So a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff was that was like at the forefront of animation and, and kind of graphic culture that you just would see on MTV all the time was mm-hmm. actually, I figured out, like a handful of animators that were like kind of... Like up and coming? Yeah, yeah. In, in, in on the West Coast at the time. So yeah. <clears throat> a lot of that stuff, yeah. That has a huge influence on. I think just the way that I think about painting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. Especially too, because you hit a point where you said you had to like kind of abandon music because you want to focus on painting. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's still like it still resonates in a like remnants. Yeah, and I mean the thing that excited me about hip hop in that time period was the sort of the process and the method that mm-hmm. they were making the music. So to mm-hmm. me, it's like I just and then that persisted mm-hmm. even though it became switched from music to visual art it yeah. was like that's still the same concept and the same general idea and approach to it yeah just applying it from one to the exactly other. Yeah, yeah totally yeah it's something we always kind of talk about as how like music art film all these things like influence each other and you can draw from anything you know to build on a different craft yeah um what are you listening to right now oh uh, i listen to <clears throat> I don't know, everyone probably comes on and is like, I listen to a wide variety of things. <laughs> <laughs> My diet is very, very, is varied. For, I mean, I listen to so many different things. I mean, like golden era hip hop to like new wave to, you know, like early jazz to, I mean, everything. <clears throat> I dig, I dig most stuff. Um, Who would you put on your Mount Rushmore? That, uh, that is a good question. I don't, I mean, <laughs> this is the classic, like, brain stop because like who's your five favorite bands like, uh, yeah. uh, I mean gosh I mean I don't even know 
uh, who do I end up listening to a lot? I mean, right now, I mean, in the studio, because I've been doing these kind of like weird ethereal things, I'm listening to a lot of like shoegaze stuff from the early 90s. Um, yeah. And I also listen to WMSE a ton, which is, um, you know, when I don't want to like purposely willfully like put it put an album on yeah. i wanted somebody else to like curate that and be exposed to new things mm-hmm. so wmc is like my go-to and learning about genres that i like have no experience with like instrumental music mm-hmm. yeah. or world music or like blues or something like that stuff that i wouldn't like normally like i'm gonna put this record on yeah. go to youtube and search for this thing it's just like i want like to like you know is that the local station? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think Everybody should support WMSE, by the way. Shout WMSC. out to WMSE. Yeah, big shout out. Yeah. There's not many local radio stations anymore. I mean, the two that come to mind, the big ones would be WSME and I guess 88.9. Mm-hmm. Or like that. Yeah, 88.9 is too, too like poppy for me. It used to be it's good. Ch- I mean, yeah, it's changed like a lot 2014, recently. I remember. Like, yeah. I would listen to it every day driving to work in the summer. And... Uh, there's still like tons of artists that I found just from mm-hmm. that time, but now it's like totally changed. Yeah, yeah. it's like they're an aspiring like corporate radio or something. Yeah, WMS isn't like they'll play like the weirdest things. Like really? yeah, yeah. There used to be a station. It was like 100.3, and now it was in like the summer of 2015. But it only lasted like a few months. Yeah. But it was they had the best. I'd never heard some of that stuff, and it was so like offbeat and like yeah. you know unique. I love independent radio yeah. stuff, like that. Yeah. or like college, like actual college radio, where it's like mm-hmm. the programming can be whatever it wants because yeah. it's not beholden to corporate interests. Yeah, it's, really it's more based on like the person who's the DJ. Yeah, and WMSE is great because they have like DJs for each genre that are so it's genre specific every mm-hmm. three hours. So mm-hmm. it's like people who really know like oh, country music from uh, from like the like 1950s. Yeah. And so you're like, wow, it's like you're getting, I mean, it's like an education in music too. That's what's mm-hmm. great about it. Um, you want to get into the work? Sure. Do you have anything else about music? Um, no, that was, I mean, I just wanted to touch on it. Um, it's funny, Especially it comes up every couple of years when people find out that <laughs> I have that past. Yeah. I heard someone had like a tape. Yeah, I mean, maybe. There's a tape floating around. Yeah, oh, I, I, yeah I, gave, I think I gave Cal. There's a, I, I can give you a copy. I have a, an MP3 of a mixtape right. from, it's a live recording from I think Ty Joe's maybe in, in like the year 2000. Mm. Actually, I have one more music question. Yeah. So, um, you know, during that time in Milwaukee, who were some of the artists in Milwaukee at the time that you I mean uh, were there any yeah. big names yeah, I mean the I was briefly the the tour DJ for the Rusty Pelicans too at the time so they're, okay. still, they're still around um that sounds super familiar yeah and there I mean there weren't really a lot of people like rapping there were definitely more like DJs and producers around at the time okay um yeah I mean there's this dude uh YB that DJs that we used to be, I used to live with him he was my he was my like DJ partner for many years and we had this crew called Functions that would do stuff so mm. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I want to start with like some stuff from the archive yeah. on your site, and I don't know if it's all like if there's stuff like missing or how, you know, chronological it all is. But like two, so early on, two uh, seemingly key moments to me, like the two biggest stylistic leaps, was uh, Archive Eight, which was like the shipwreck stuff, so, like that foggy, dreamlike desolation to Archive 7, which was kind of like a colorful, exploded art studio. Um, and it was a big jump in style, but like the explosion 
motif kind of remained? What do you know what caused that shift? Because it was pretty, I mean, their shipwreck paintings were like really consistent. And then it was just like a, like a hard, like, you know, transition. Yeah. I mean, I think that I'm probably generally kind of restless. Like, mm-hmm. I'll make a body of work for a few years and be really concentrated on that mm-hmm. and really try to mine that for all of its worth. And then I get, I don't know if, it, I mean, I guess time will tell if it's a good or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I get kind of restless and I question kind of the basic tenets of what that's about. And so mm-hmm. I try to switch it up just to see what I have. Mm-hmm. But the shipwreck stuff came out of like an actual life experience too. You're on I, both I, we, Before we started to, before we started recording we were just talking about like my, how my, fed out, my father was also like an amateur archaeologist so mm-hmm. one time in Door County uh, I was in because he had like a kind of a small boat that we'd go like bass fishing in mm-hmm. and we were in Garrett Bay and you know it, Lake Mission is clear enough where you can see it at to about 15 feet this yeah. was like in the late 80s before the zebra muscle stuff but um, <laughs> one day and I would always be obsessed when we were in the, the boat because I, could, I would always look into the water and I was like the moment when it was the threshold moment when it was too deep to see anything underwater mm-hmm. and the minute that you could it was shallow enough to start seeing structures underwater I was like mm-hmm. oh my god and it was like a, like the classic definition of the sublime because it was freaky to me mm-hmm. because of you know like the Great Lakes are kind of scary because mm-hmm. they're deep and they're yeah. big and especially in Door County because there's like bluffs so there's like giant boulders and really big rock formations mm-hmm. uh, and so when those forms would start to emerge I was like oh my god I'm like terrified of this but I'm also like can't look away and then one day we were in this bay and all of a sudden it's like this rib cage of like this huge wooden chip yeah was like I was like oh and and then we were like oh my gosh like we figured out what ship it was it was called the fleet wing it sank in like 1889 and it was shallow enough where we went back and snorkeled on it so I Wow. Remember, like that experience was like, oh my god, yeah, you know, like it yeah. was like a really like, actual sublime experience. I was like, I wonder if there's some way I can make paintings that feel like that experience of just seeing something start to emerge and happen. And you were pretty That's young wild. when you saw that. Yeah, I was like, uh, I mean, I was probably like ten, ten years old. It's crazy, like going that far back and drawing from yeah. those experiences. Yeah. Were you the first people who noticed that? Or no, I mean, no? it was oh, it was okay. well documented. Oh, okay. And now it's like on, you can like Google. It's on like Google Maps. Oh, the really? location. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. Yeah. yeah, so it's like there's a lot more scholarship and documentation on that stuff now. But yeah, isn't there like a few boats in Lake Michigan? Oh, there's, oh, there's so many, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it's in the Great Lakes are great because they're like they're cold and it's fresh water, so it preserves them like perfectly. Yeah. 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 What was the, the famous one? The Edmund Fitzgerald. That's yeah. a. And that's in Lake Superior. Yeah. Oh, it's in yeah. Superior. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, and so then uh, you know, so. so I made those that work for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I was also, when I was making those shipwreck paintings, I was also thinking about like the like luminous landscapes and like people like Caspar David Friedrich mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of the sort of, you know, luminists type of landscape. So mm-hmm. I was trying to, I was heavy into that stuff. But then I got kind of um, like uh, wary about the narrative content of it and like the romantic like the romanticism that kind of drips out of that. And I was like, oh, like a, you know, like a Leonardo DiCaprio shipwreck <laughs> kind of like yeah. saccharineness that I was a little bit wary of. So like, I wonder if I can just switch. I also didn't like that you could name it as a shipwreck. You know, I wanted it to be like more of a visual experience rather than a, like a noun based thing. So I was like, how can I do this, but make it non-objective. So you're just experiencing like the space and mm-hmm. the stacking and the piling, mm-hmm. but not have the, name shipwreck associated with it so then that kind of tore apart my studio practice and started to inject different things like what if it was super saturated color how does that change it or what if it's like you know 
Just yeah. like a what if question, and then it just the work kind of leads itself down these weird pathways. Yeah. Did coming back from Seattle have anything to do with? Oh, well, maybe I don't know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't know that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe no, you see it in fair. there, and that's for. I mean, I can't. It's hard to hard to know all those things about your own work. <laughs> um. So then, all, the next one was uh, Archive Four, which was like abstracted heads on display oh, yeah. uh-huh. and then archive three which is like almost a progenitor to what you're doing right now mm-hmm. um and then part way through archive three with the or yeah you seem to suddenly just like abandon all the depth you know so first of all that jump from the heads to the um you know the precursor of what you're doing now mm-hmm. do you know yeah i mean the the heads were i can clearly remember that moment because i was heavily studying like um, language, like how language worked, mm-hmm. and I thought about how um, how uh, we can how metaphor and substitution work. So the idea that you can take a lot of information away, and as long as there's something structurally that holds it together, it'll still be nameable. Mm-hmm. So t- I was thinking about what is the most basic like form that still has a recognizable structure to it that I can make wild substitutions. And this also relates to music too. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a, like a rhythm section, the other instruments can like freestyle wildly around yeah. it as long as there's yeah. something that holds it there. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, as long as the, like the basic idea was a head, I could make things that were totally on head like, uh-huh. and it wow. would still read as a, a head. Yeah. So it, it had more to do with metaphor and substitution than it had like headness. Mm-hmm. But I, even in the first one that I did, I, I kind of, cause I had I made three dimensional models, like small models that I would then paint from. Okay. And I needed to physically keep them up. I'm looking at the postcard right there. Oh. Um, the, and it became like this, um, it, the first one was an accident. Like it wasn't supposed to look like a pedestal, mm-hmm. but I realized that it did. And I was like, oh, that's funny to put the, make it seem like it's a fake sculpture in a museum. And mm-hmm. that kind of went with that for a while. But I think maybe ultimately it felt a little bit gimmicky, so I abandoned yeah. that stuff. Uh, was it, again, the whole, like, idea of naming? Yeah, things? I mean, that's that's probably, like, a, a through line for sure. Yeah. It's like I'm really uncomfortable with, the, with naming mm-hmm. things. And so then instead of, like, head shipwreck, it became, like, abstract painting. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that maybe was the tr- the, the transition. Maybe that's where I'd kind of been trying to get to the whole time, mm-hmm. but just I couldn't let myself let go of the... Like a nameable... Yeah, a nameable dialogue. thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Which I think also may be more difficult for audiences to like accept that. I think that you, you have like a wider appeal if there's something that's nameable maybe in the work. It's like more open to people who aren't necessarily yeah. like yeah. in yeah. that hole. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so then from the heads, you went to... It almost looked like a like a storefront or like a shop front mm. and like abstract work in this like storefront. Yeah. Or in vitrines. Yeah. And then from, or yeah. Or like, um, is that like in a museum? Yeah. That yeah, whole yeah. like, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, from there, there was one, I don't think it had a name, but it was like yellow and black striped, I think. And it had marks on top, but it was a, it was a stark transition from mm. like the, you know, 3D space into this like flat. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, what made you? I mean, I guess just tired of space? yeah. I mean, it's like a, a question. Like I'm always like taking certain things out, leaving certain things in, being like, well, 
maybe it's like a like a weird clinical scientific approach to mm -hmm. studio practice but mm -hmm. i'm like what if i took lighting out or what if i took space out what mm -hmm. if i did this like how would it change it okay. so i think it's just like yeah that re general kind of restlessness and need to continue to push forward so the same thing then you would say like because that kind of brings us to what you're doing right now um would you call them like xerox Painting, or what would you? Yeah, I, I can, I, can, I like can clearly them. remember the moment, and this was in about 2005, mm -hmm. that I was, not, not 2015, mm -hmm. I was at UWM and I was teaching a collage class. Mm -hmm. And the, the, everyone was working, and it was like, I just needed to stay out of their way. And so I was at this, the desk in like room 313 on the mm -hmm. UWM campus. And I was just like, I had these sheets of like marks that I, was, that I had made with ink. Mm -hmm. And I was just cutting them up and putting them back together. And I was like, oh my God, here it is. Like, this is it. <laughs> it was still like a, you know, eureka moment. Yeah. It was like, cause it, cause it had like the artificiality and like the, the construct, the synthetic part of what I liked about it, mm -hmm. you know, like an attitude about authenticity, mm -hmm. but it was also like, and just had like everything I needed. Yeah. And I didn't know that until I started like messing around with it. And actually some of the collages are in the studio, like those, those first they're ones. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Um, and they're like, you know, they're rough and they're like not, yeah, it got more refined kind of as I went mm -hmm. and more like crystalline, crystallized, you know, yeah. but that was like that. I can clearly remember that moment. And so that was like, okay, this is like years of work now. I was going to say, yeah. So it took like a whole life of like trial and error mm -hmm. and then that like aha moment. Yeah. yeah. And you don't know when that stuff's going to happen. All you had to do is like be responsive when it happens yeah. and then be like, okay, now I'm like obligated to the next five years to explore where this goes. And you knew at that moment that like, Yeah. That I mean, was it was clear be, to me okay. that like, wow. I, I think that I had been like making paintings long enough where I can recognize them. I'm like, oh my God, here it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think artists just want things, want stuff to do. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are like, just give me a, give me a lot to do. Mm -hmm. Instead of having to like search around for things yeah. to, to, you know what I mean? Yeah, because after you graduate, it's like, it's up to you then to keep doing mm -hmm. stuff. You know, it's easy when, not easy, but it's more simple when someone's like handing out yeah, directors. Yeah, same. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Versus uh, when it's like all on you, I think it's a lot more intimidating. Mm -hmm. You know, but if you're really about it, then I'm sure it's yeah. easier. Yeah. Um, it's also important just to make a ton of work when you are in those moments. That's one thing that I that I that one thing I definitely though. have like learned. It's like I the shipwreck paintings were oil paintings. They took a long time. Yeah. They were like laborious and they mm -hmm. had like. And so, but I can, I remember like, you know, a couple of years after I stopped making those, I was like, man, I wish I had made more of them, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, because eventually the, 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 the faucet does get turned off yeah. on certain work. And so the one thing that I maybe have learned as a more mature artist, is like you just have to make a ton of the stuff while the spigot is open, mm -hmm. you know, because eventually it's going to shut off. It's going to go dry. Yeah. But how do you, I mean, if you're in a place where you're not feeling like the work is what you want or yeah. like you're not feeling inspired. Like how do you continue to you keep? You just have to do it. I mean, you have to be, you Even have if to you just you, make you something to, you hate. Yeah. I mean, there were years, like when you talk about the archive on the website there, like, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, where it's like, I was just kind of, I mean, it definitely was not a, mm -hmm. a good era yeah. <laughs> of my work, you know, but I'm like, I, you know, I didn't even knew it kind of then I was like, I gotta, I got, I mean, then there's some, there's somewhere I'm getting to and I, you have to just kind of be patient with yourself, but stay, stay active you have to just keep making work even if yeah. they, even if all the paintings suck mm -hmm. even if the ideas seem hokey you know because one thing's gonna inspire yeah and you don't else. know you don't know how that stuff adds up yeah like you, you in the when you're in it you can't like be outside of it so when, 
Okay. Well, I was just going to say, I think that discipline is probably what sets people apart, too. It's totally. like, you know, most people hit that wall and then they say, well, I'm stuck. And then it's the people who break through that, you know, keep keep fighting. But where do you find the motivation when it's just like not there? I, mean, I guess getting into personal psychology now. Yeah. I mean, I'm like really pretty stubborn and willful. So I'm like, I'm going to make this like I'm going to have a life as a painter, like yeah. no matter what, like I'm going to find a way to do it. There's also that like really famous Chuck Close quote about how like inspiration is for amateurs. It's like you got to just like wake up and do it every day. Mm-hmm. Like you can't wait around for, yeah, for, for to feel yeah. like I feel like painting today because you're never going to make anything. Mm-hmm. Never heard that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the exact, you have to Google. I don't, I don't remember what the exact wording is, but it, I mean, it, it makes that's, sense. That's, the, that's the, the general sentiment. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, and then you don't use any screens. It's all handmade. No, nothing's mechanically made. Yeah. Um, so then was that moment in 313, um, you knew that you were gonna abandon color right then and there. Yeah, I think originally I wanted them just to simplify everything, mm-hmm. but I also liked the fact that the black and white color palette was a direct reference to the Xerox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was a way to kind of indicate that that's where it kind of it came from. And then I had to learn, the cool thing about that too is like once I did that collage and it was using photocopies, I was like, oh, now I have to learn how to like paint mm-hmm. in a way that's gonna mimic uh, some of this stuff. So yeah. I had to like basically like teach myself how to get these things to look a certain way. And early on in in that series, I was really interested in mimicking some of the effects that Xerox would have, like a um, like a like a haloing or like a, cause the more you Xerox something, mm-hmm. the more it breaks down. Yeah. So there starts to become like weird like inconsistencies and. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, I was like, I like that idea, not only yeah. metaphorically, because like the idea of like abstraction being photocopied through the years. Like by the yeah. time it gets to me, it's a totally degraded idea yeah. compared to like what it was to Kandinsky or <laughs> to Frank Stella or so like metaphorically, it was really wow. rich to me too. It's like this has got everything I need. Yeah. I just have to do this work now. And I don't know if people get that from looking at it, you know. Or it makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, but. But then eventually also it was like, okay, I'd done, you know, I worked in black and white for Mm. like years, like probably three, there's probably like three years worth of just black and white imagery. And I liked it because it was like, there's enough problems here that this is going to keep me busy for years, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So then a significant entry in the more, you know, cohesive catalog was uh, the painting from the Rococo beatbox show mm. uh, in 2017 yeah. at the Thelma Sadoff S- Center yeah. mm-hmm. for the Arts. Um, is that painting also untitled, or that one's called? Uh, no, it's un- I think it's untitled. Okay. Yeah. What was that uh, process like, working that That period? was interesting, the story, because there was... <clears throat> I had a show in 20, 2015 at, at, at the Sadoff Center mm-hmm. um, of like the black and white and it was like the first like sort of larger show of those of that that work mm-hmm. and then they wanted me I, I was you know I was in conversation they I, I worked out a plan where they were going to um uh support like an, a show but it was going to be a it was going to be made on site like in in Fond du Lac and then it was going to be their, you know, it's going to enter their collection. Mm-hmm. So it's in the lobby. You can go and look at it, but it's in, it's in halves now because it was too big to, okay. to do. But, yeah. um, yeah, I, uh, made that in a storefront in downtown Fond du Lac. So you didn't have to really transport it then? No, you just had to, there's a, <laughs> uh, 
uh, there's a, a, a goofy video on YouTube about that shows like the they put like some weird like Charlie Chaplin music. It's just like, <laughs> like who, does, who did that? <laughs> so, um, but it, you can see like us like moving the the, oh, the okay. thing down. Yeah, you know, it is. It's a you know it's a big painting. I, but I love the idea of like making like a really giant mm-hmm. version of those things. Because I think yeah. once like the photo the photocopy and the collage elements start to get bigger and bigger, it gets weirder because mm-hmm. you expect to see those things at a very small like desktop kind of mm-hmm. scale. So I think it just like I was excited to see it big. Did you scale up the marks for the size, or did? You- part of you think to like no actually it kind same. of has the same same okay. relative scale yeah. that the smaller work does but it's just like when you physically stand in front of it yeah marks are like bigger than your body yeah. so I'm like <laughs> oh this is actually you know it starts to have a different impact just yeah. when you're physically standing in front yeah. of it um did you make a lot of studies for that one or was it the same process uh yeah i mean what happened with that work is i would that i we didn't take a look at that yet but there's like a collage station over here oh. but um where <clears throat> I make like the mock-ups of yeah. that stuff, and then so I did a lot of different versions until it felt right. Okay, I was like this is what I want it to be. How long does that process usually take? Mm, it depends. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to complete that one? I did that in about ten days, from start to finish. Wow. I mean, I was also working twelve-hour days. Okay. And I had <laughs> I had assistants to help me to actually like stretch the, and it had to be on aluminum stretchers because it was too big to yeah. you know. So yeah. I had to get John Heiser and Brennan Steins. Shout out to Shout them. Out. Shout out. Much, uh, much thanks for helping out on that. Because I wouldn't have been able to do that myself. Like stretch mm-hmm. canvases that are that big. How do you build those structures? Like aluminum? Is it the same? Yeah, or? well, they're just like aluminum stretcher bars that are like have a um, like a edge that's wood, so you can oh, still staple into okay. it. Okay. But the actual inside like cross. Structures, the actual yeah. thing that's doing the, the work of the stretchers are aluminum. Otherwise, it would just snap. Yeah, but it just would like work. Bend, yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense. When you're at that size, you need aluminum. Um, would you do that again? Yeah, Something definitely. That size, yeah. I mean, I liked the scale and the ambition and like how much it, it, it like pushed me to do that. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah. That was fun. Uh, and then another interesting moment in 2019. Uh, the Hulu commercial. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to talk about that. <laughs> the Hulu commercial, yeah. Um, how did that how'd that happen? Uh, that happened uh, just out of the, totally out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I knew, I know this guy that does, like, TV production stuff and commercials. Mm-hmm. And he just, uh, out of the, kind of out of the blue, was like, we need we need this thing that we, and we he's like, I thought of your work cause maybe it'll go, it'll like kind of go with what we're looking for. Yeah. And so he just, yeah, kind of contacted me out of the balloon within like, you know, it happened within like a day or two that they came over here, got it. They came and, here. Yeah. Okay. Picked it up and oh, nice. then, um, it was just, yeah, it was in, it was, I mean, it was great. It was yeah. cool. It was awesome. Was it, uh, it wasn't like made for the, no, they like they saw your work. Yeah, okay. they just like picked. I like sent them options, like five options or something like that. Yeah, this will work the best, and they came and got that. What was your reaction? My reaction? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was so. I mean, it was great because it was like not only was it, you know, uh, I mean, I love basketball. I love Giannis. Yeah. I love the Bucks. So it was yeah. like this great, perfect, like best case scenario, basically type yeah. of thing. You know, 
and they played it during the playoffs too. Yeah. yeah. So it was like I could, like I was watching the game and you'd see it. I'm yeah. Like, oh damn, cool. And it's actually in. I thought it was just going to be like kind of in the background, like it's unnoticeable. Like right it's like there. right. Yeah. In the yeah. <laughs> yeah. To me, when I saw that, because I don't think painters can exist the same way now that they did in the 20th century. So to me, it was like my first thought was 21st century painter. And like, even though it was indirect that like painters now can get some kind of mainstream recognition and like maybe artists now don't care about that. Maybe they do, but, um, and maybe that's like a flawed view, but, uh, yeah, and especially too, because like, I, you know, when I was like studying painting, it was like to see somebody who I knew directly for that to happen. It was like, oh, maybe that could happen, you know, to me too. Mm-hmm. Um, Did that open any new, you know, doors or anything? Did anyone reach out to you after that and say, hey, I love the work, you know, can I purchase a piece or? Um, no, not necessarily because I don't, there was nothing in the, the, yeah, in the, the it, that would link like, it. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, hey, hey here's my Instagram handle, like on the thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but the weird thing though is I started working with a, uh, around the same time, um, a place out of New Orleans that does licensing for, uh, for movies and video. So yeah. there's another painting that's in a Josh Hartnett movie on, Netflix or something. I, don't, I oh, forgot sweet. Paradise Lost maybe that's I haven't seen it yet but okay. and I they got paid for that so I don't know where, where like what that yeah I don't think I've seen the episode yet and this was like right before the COVID stuff happened too so obviously the whole industry kind of shut yeah. down um, but nothing like directly but you also don't know when you have stuff like that like how that's gonna where it's gonna pop up years later yeah like where people see things and like there's not necessarily like well, it's like a week later people were like hey I saw the work in the Hulu ad mm-hmm. you wanna like do this 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 yeah. and this um <laughs> But if you're constantly working and you're getting the work out there, it's amazing. Like it's just like the fishing. Like, more lines in the water, more stuff yeah. happens. But you gotta, you know, you gotta put the line on the water. That would have been awesome if like Giannis hit you up after that. <laughs> no, it's like oh, let me buy this painting. Yeah. <laughs> no, that did not. That did not happen. Although Giannis, you should definitely buy some work. Yeah. Hey Giannis, <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> buy some work. Yeah. Um. But it's all. I think it's also a, a tricky uh, line to walk when you start doing things that are either commercial or more mm-hmm. sort of culturally um, like mainstream because mm-hmm. I mean for that it was a great opportunity because it was a painting that I already made I wanted to make it had mm-hmm. 100% just me they just used it for that purpose and I think that's like kind of like the best case scenario yeah um, versus making it for yeah the, uh, yeah or like I think it's important to have the, the integrity of the work still be totally solid yeah. in itself mm-hmm. and then if you get opportunities like that in the world that's then that's just gravy yeah i don't think that you want to start like anticipating making work that could be you know that's yeah. where it gets that's Lose where it gets the, i yeah, mean yeah. people are into i mean i people do all sorts of stuff and have different motivations but for me it's important like i would never want to change the the impulse of why i make the work yeah. to suit like the end result that makes sense um i guess that brings us to this year um combinated actually was one of my last memories before shit hit the fan that was a cursed uh, show (laughs) (laughs) it opened like four days before the world shut down and then it reopened like a day before george floyd (laughs) oh wow so it was like bam bam. (laughs) 
like n- no one cares about art yeah no one now really no one cares about <laughs> like abstract paintings in yeah, uh, right. in june like yeah. uh-uh <laughs> <laughs> wow. well i've talked to a few people it's like it's weird to at, uh to navigate any type of art right now with everything going on mm-hmm. it just feels like irresponsible well, yeah or it's like you you know you're still creating you still want to share that but it's like you know, it's finding that balance of like not trying to do too much. And well, I mean, it was hyper um, aware of that in like in the whole month of June, basically. Yeah. It's like it looked really irresponsible to post anything mm-hmm. that was like, look at my look at my yeah look, look at my painting yeah. right now yeah. while the world is on fire. Like, yeah. I don't think this uh, this is the time to shut up. Yeah, and just like move to the background. Yeah, <laughs> but people just couldn't do it. Like they were just like, I can't, I can't not yeah. speak. And it's just like, just please shut up for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that it's interesting because I remember a long time ago you had me read the article uh, should art be a battleground for social justice mm. and I feel like now more than ever like that's super relevant mm-hmm. um, but anyway not to get into that <laughs> too much um, so I mean, again, there's like lots of different types of art and there's lots of different reasons that people yeah. make art and there's lots of different uses so yeah but it's I a mean, valid my, question though isn't it yeah definitely yeah. I think it's something that at least everybody should think about and yeah. it's like you have to the reason that you that people make art are it's, it's so personal like mm-hmm. I wouldn't I don't judge anybody else's reason for making art I don't expect people to agree with my reasons for making art I just mm-hmm. think there's enough room in the world that it should be a panoply of approaches and mm-hmm. that everything is valid yeah basically. yeah that's kind of what we were talking about with in the last episode, how like, cause they thought, the street artists we recorded with, they thought um, art was like, what was it supposed to be for? And that's where I get real nervous and really skeptical when yeah. people be, have to be prescriptive about yeah. what art needs to be or should yeah. be. Yeah. That's mean, to me that's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> this is me backing away from yeah. you because you're creeping me out because that's just as monolithic as what you think you're fighting. Yeah. Like it's when anybody is like prescriptive about what art should be or yeah. what it should do or what it's like righteous function is or yeah. what it's, what's the correct use of yeah. art. I get yeah. really, really, really turned off no, because there's so much real. of it. There's, so, there's so many different reasons and it's all like beautiful. You know, I think work that's made to enact social changes is as valid and as exciting and as interesting as the people who are practicing at a high level yeah. as any other type of art. I think right now people are like just kind of latching on to the current times and going with it because it helps make them more relevant, kind of. Yeah. I hate I hate to say it. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a that's a whole another podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get into this stuff because I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah my my work is not about that. Yeah. yeah, I think it would be really disingenuous for me to make work that I wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't you? Wasn't me? Yeah, yeah, right. For sure. But everybody should make the work that's them, and if that, those things matter to you, then by yeah. all means, like do that. Yeah. Um, so kind of going back to combinated, I know you mentioned that you know you just like to explore and like drop out certain aspects and bring back and just like tinker. But um, was there like a direct reason that you returned to color in the work? I mean, I think it was just time. I think color also adds a whole nother problem because color makes space. Color does so many things that black and white didn't do. When you're, you know, it's black and white, it's a lot about form. And color, I mean, color also has associations. It has physiological response, you know, impact on the nervous system of human beings. 
Um, and it's just another whole set of problems to get into. And I like, you know, I love the challenge of that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, now is the right time. And I didn't, I didn't do it prematurely. I took my time and I was like, mm-hmm. when the time comes, I'll know how to reintroduce. And I, you know, definitely fumbled around trying to reintroduce color for yeah. a, a long time before yeah. it felt like I was like, okay, now this feels, were this you, feels right. Were you making black and white works and color work simultaneously, but just showing the black and white? Yeah, maybe for a little bit of time. But I, when I when I transitioned, I was like pretty committed. Uh-huh. So I was like, now everything was going to be in color. Yeah. How do you typically pick your color palette for uh, your pieces? Uh, it it changes. I mean, um, in the stuff that was more. I mean, I think about maybe there, in some cases that there being kind of like a unity or like a color idea, but then in other cases. It's just I want them to be discordant okay. and to have no like overall unifying thing. Yeah. I want it to be like, oh, oh, mm. you know, kind of jarring, like this mm-hmm. color to this color to this color to this color. Mm. And not not random, but like d- I'd say just discordant. But then, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But then then in other in other cases, I want them to be there to be like a color environment that creates a particular mood or a particular space or a feeling that comes from color. And color is really weird, too, because it like it has all these different associations, yeah. you know, and can create these different, I mean, it's like super physiological, I think, and the human mm. nervous system, you know. Wow. Um, so then, fast forward a little bit. This summer, you had the Bayshore project. Um, was that kind of a similar thing to... The Hulu commercial where it was like someone just contacted you. Yeah, yeah. that was just an opportunity that kind of came out of the blue, mm-hmm. and it, um, you know, it took. Uh, well, I was first contacted by this group um, in fall of last year, and I had no idea how they got my. Con- <laughs> I mean, it's like why for this particular project, like, why I came onto your radar is way beyond. I still haven't figured out like why. Yeah. Maybe it was just like <laughs> they did like a Google search like Milwaukee Yard, and somehow like I came up in it, yeah, but. Yeah. And they came over for a studio visit and they were like interested in the work and all this stuff. And I thought they were just going to like sort of buy paintings to have there. And I was like, yeah, I'm totally into that. But then they, like as they, as their ideas kind of evolved, it was like they wanted me to do a site, like a painting on site. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's not really what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't a know how I would do that or no, I don't have an experience with that. But then also the timing was like set up where right when also COVID was going on. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know like what the financial, what my financial yeah. immediate future is going to be like. So like, how can I say no to yeah. a good op- like financial opportunity? Right. And I was also ex- interested in what these would look like yeah. larger. Yeah. So again, like we talked about like the integrity of the work being kind of like the core of it. Like I still saw this as an opportunity to still do my, my paintings, mm-hmm. but in a different context, like why not do this? Like I don't want to be, yeah. I don't want to shut myself off to strange new experiences like that. So and it ended up being fine. It was yeah. great. Do you feel like they read differently with the amount of like wall behind them? Yeah, I mean they're very different because it's uh, and I was aware of this going in. It's like it's just image image mm-hmm. because if you look at the paintings in person, there's a, a ton of materiality mm-hmm. that's part of your understanding of what ideas and it's yeah. like an object yeah it's an, totally yeah. absolutely and you have to like, like, a, like a haptic tactile experience you have right. when you look at the actual paintings which i don't know if your listeners maybe have seen them maybe you haven't but it's a very different experience when you see them in person mm-hmm. and the, the thing about the wall painting is that obviously i couldn't none of that 
like physicality of the objectness of it wasn't going to be possible on that scale or in mm. that space. So they'd become like, kind of flattened out just to image. Mm. But I also knew that going in. So I was like, I wanted them to. But I thought that, you know, that they could translate in that way. And I was curious to see like how they would if they were just image and they were just big and they were kind of mm -hmm. there. So you can go to Bayshore and see them yourself. Yeah, you can go check figure out what, what, you, what you think about them. When you were painting those, I mean, was it during hours where people would be there? Or were they closed at the time? Uh, they were, they were um, it was kind of weird. It was kind of like half open, half not. Okay. It was also like COVID mania. So it was yeah. like people, not a lot of people were there. But there was like work crews because there were still um, people, like they were renovating the whole oh, yeah, mall. Yeah. And they still are, I think, to some extent. Yeah, Maybe they might yeah. be done now. But there's like tons of like, it was basically just me and the work crews. Okay. And occasionally, I mean, there are also people that live in the mall. <laughs> this is really oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and they were, and I was happened to be painting in this like place right where a lot of the residents would come to use like the elevators. Like it was like the residents like every day would come oh. by. So like, it was, it was, it was a weird, ex and I was only there for like, I, I did the whole thing basically in a week. Uh -huh. Okay. Because, yeah. Um, was the process any different painting directly onto the wall instead of on, I know you kind of had, you know, you talked about before we started recording how, um, with like, you know, graffiti and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that word is even, yeah. I mean, that's, do people feel weird about that word now? No, that's the right I word. I don't know. I mean, I think street art, complicates the yeah. understanding yeah. of that stuff but i'm not going to go down that path yeah. but um so i uh, let's just say i had experience mm -hmm. painting large-scale outdoors mm -hmm. from being a teenager um and so i knew that i could do it and it would translate and it would be fine but yeah it was different because it was like a, a textured surface and so I, it was basically just like a bunch of problem solving to try to get the 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 chemistry of the paint or the materiality to do what i needed it to do mm -hmm. and i i'd say that I was surprised that when I was actually things that I had I anticipated it pretty well, and so there was no like big, big problems. Other than the fact that um, acrylic paint with the amount of like the, the the mixtures that I had, where if you tried to paint over spray paint, it would beat up in certain areas. So mm -hmm. Some areas where I had to repaint them three or four oh, times okay. just to get a, a no opaque cover. Yeah. yeah, but that was the only thing that, that was the only hitch really. Um. Just to touch on graffiti, so you did some graffiti as a, I, I, I don't know if you. <laughs> Allegedly. I, uh, yeah. Oh, this is this is, one of those? I mean, this, okay. is, this is also like around the, the DJing era yeah. in the 90s. Yeah, I got, I mean, that was one of my uh, first introductions to like re, like art. But this is also like, like 1991, 92, when you actually had to like go places to see. And I, I, I can clearly remember a field trip to Chicago when I, and this was probably when I was in junior high or maybe even elementary school and just seeing the, the, the highway graffiti. Oh, yeah. I was like, I don't know who's doing this, but this is for me. Like, I love this. Yeah. Um, and then I would, you know, go to go on trips to different cities and like see the stuff and like meet people and like do so it was like part of a, and that, yeah, I was totally involved in that went for many years. Yeah. Cause well, and during that time, I mean, that's considered like one of the pillars of like the hip hop movement, mm -hmm. um, like graffiti, break dance, mm -hmm. you know, DJing, things like that. It was interesting because it was, this was like the early '90s when it was like, you know, obviously there was the New York subway golden era from the '70s and '80s, and then you know, uh, the documentary style wars happened and kind of transmitted it to the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. And I was too young to have, like watch the original airing of Style Wars, but I can remember the book like Subway Art by Henry Chalfont, and that was like really big. But I kind of I mean, this is another whole podcast too, but like this, Madison had a really incredible graffiti scene in the, in the early nineties. Okay. Um, and 
so this was like second second wave kind of like the like the new like the the next era of graffiti after like new york subway stuff mm -hmm. so it was like it was just different but that's all i want to say about that, that. Um, so there's there's moments of, yeah, there's experience in that world that have you ever seen wild style yeah of course yeah, of course right um not to go not to backtrack too much but um because he talked about uh using acrylic at bayshore um when did because you, you used oil for the shipwreck paintings when did you abandon oil mm, you know it's funny it's fa it feels like not that long ago, but it was probably at least 10 years ago that mm -hmm. i've been using acrylic i just i became kind of I just wanted to make more paintings and I wanted more results and I wanted to move faster mm -hmm. and I wanted to do a lot of, a lot of things that I do, you, you just couldn't do in oil paint or it would take an amazing, I'm, I'm, I'm patient, but I'm also totally impatient yeah. at the same time. Yeah. So the reasons that I use acrylic are, and there used to be, I feel like it's not so much anymore, but there definitely used to be kind of a, a, a prohibition against acrylic. Like serious painters would only use oil paint. Yeah. Cause and, what, didn't they call it like, synthetic polymer yeah i mean it's plastic yeah. is what it is yeah. right but i mean i think that there was that I, I don't really feel like that's a thing anymore but like certain artists and collectors and people would be like it's not serious if it's acrylic but i think that's fallen by the wayside well because a lot of the layering stuff too you couldn't get with yeah and there's oil, like a, right? you know a lot of additive stuff like a, like pastes and gels and mediums that like you can't like just don't aren't available in an oil paint yeah um so for a normal painting, what does the uh, preparation look like? I mean, I work on a lot of different surfaces at once. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I figured out that that works for me. I think every painter or every artist has to kind of figure out like what works best for the way they think and the way they act and what they need. Mm -hmm. So me, I uh, have learned that if I have like, f you know, five paintings going at once it, l it allows me to not uh, overly obsess about one thing mm -hmm. yeah. and I can kind of move and work between and it also keeps me busy like I need to be able to work like 10 hour days yeah. in the studio so I need to like do this and then I need to do that is then that I a normal day? yeah I mean when I'm like in the middle of like making work yeah. mm -hmm. but that's also what I want to be doing that's where I want to be like mm -hmm. it's not like that's what I've like my ideal situation is to be in the studio for 10 hours a day you know yeah. I mean or 8 or 6 I mean it, I mean, it, still, it changes yeah. but yeah. yeah do you after like shows, do you take breaks? No. no. Damn. I'm consistently, I mean, I have to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How long does a normal painting take you I typically? Don't, I don't even know. I mean, I think that I don't even think about that. Like mm -hmm. I'm just doing it. And mm -hmm. I think that, and also because I'm working on so many at a time, like I, I lose kind of track on that. Yeah. I mean, this year has been because of COVID too. It's like I've made, I feel like I've made like five shows in a year too. Mm -hmm. Like. <laughs> I mean, I mean, since the, you talk about combinated and mm -hmm. that all that work for that show was made after the end of the semester last year. So I'd say like from January, basically from like late December to even to January 1st, mm -hmm. that, I mean, you know, so in a all of combinated, months? all of, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're talking about like, I'm, I don't know how many paintings I've made in this calendar year, but it's a lot. Yeah. You know, I've had a lot yeah. of time to do it and that's what I want to do. Yeah, was, that was one of the questions I had was, you know, how were you or how much work have you been doing during COVID? And then a ton. Um, is that how you're kind of like coping with everything? Like in terms of, I mean, some people, 
I mean, even with us, I mean, we can't get into our recording space all the time yeah, and things like that. A lot of uncertainty. Um, yeah. I mean, also, I'm super lucky because the setup here, that's my live workspace. Yeah. So yeah. I, I can, I can I, you know, at like midnight, I can go and look at the painting and be like, oh, what do I need to do to that? So I'm constantly living with it. And I think for some people, that's like maybe not a good thing. But for me, it works because I want to be close to the work all the time. I want to mm-hmm. be constantly thinking about it. I mm-hmm. want to be able to look at it. And yeah, it's a super big um big uh i'm so grateful that i had the situation during this time because mm-hmm. it was like i don't know what i would have done yeah if you had to like travel a few miles to go to the studio yeah i mean that changes it too yeah, yeah even if you have to physically go to i think that home studios work and don't work for some people like it's mm-hmm. really good for some people and it's really bad for yeah. some people but i'm totally disciplined also the fact that it's a separate space physically yeah, for like sure. i don't i'm not the kind of person that like will like na- accidentally nap for five hours or yeah. just like get yeah. caught in like a law and order episodes like i'm just like when i'm in the studio working like that's what i'm doing yeah you know? Yeah. So I may have these like discrete firewalls. Like now I'm this person. Like I also like wake up early and I start working at like six a.m. because I'm like mm-hmm. my brain is like like yeah. coffee. I'm like on. Mm-hmm. But then I also like end by like five p.m. So okay. I'm like, all right, my day is over. It's like the kind of, kind of blue collar, <laughs> blue collar schedule. It's yeah. like I wake up early, work for eight hours, yeah. and then I chill. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say this is pretty much the ideal set up yeah i love the space yeah. by the way i gotta say yeah that i mean the studio is i mean obviously i would like a more like you know we like a where a big warehouse sure. space yeah. like over you know what keith yeah. has in the seven floor studios where a lot yeah. of those people are i mean it's more like also it's like when you go in for street it's like it's like a romantic idea of like a yeah. painter's studio and this is kind of like it's it's not that but it's also it like, works it so works yeah, for what I need, yeah. Totally. do you have any like um like wind down rituals like after you're done painting for the day i mean i i work in the studio and then i like make myself dinner and then i you know watch netflix like i'm not any other human being right yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you too i've noticed that you post a lot of like old monster movies so mm-hmm. which ones do you like yeah i'm a total nerd for that stuff i'm like i think uh also like during the pandemic like i'm super obsessed with tcm too so i'll just like my dad loves that channel yeah, yeah. god it's so good and the on-demand, like the website, you can just, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like kind of like the WMSC thing. Like I learned, like, there's so many films I haven't watched. Yeah. Just, just like picking a random, like, noir film from like the 50s. Like I wouldn't, I hadn't, I have known nothing about this stuff, but I want to like learn about it, you know? Yeah. And like, monster movies, I, like, I love like B-movies and there's something really, like the idea of like horror hosts that also has something to do with like college radio, like this DIY kind of like low budget, kind of yeah. cheesy, but like really like beautifully sincere in that way like that mm-hmm. all i just like all that kind of stuff yeah um so kind of just to like shift i've had this conversation with a lot of people uh i'm just curious about your opinion um naming paintings oh sure um how what are your thoughts i don't yeah because i I mean, I, 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 I admire it when people can come up with good titles mm-hmm. for their mm-hmm. paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, but for abstract paintings, to me, it's like it just gets in the way. Like if I was to, the ones I like the least are actually the, the really like goofy ones or the ones that are like purposely trying to be like, ah, yeah. like, yeah. like the, the yellow banana sneaker flew over the moon. Like I don't, I mean, to me that just like adds another thing that's not, you know, yeah. so what I do, and it's weird because I, 
because I make a lot of paintings and it can be confusing when you're dealing with galleries or people who want to purchase work. Yeah. Like, yeah. They have to like send screenshots because everything's untitled. Like, yeah. I don't know what painting you're talking about. Yeah. Can I get a look at the untitled? Like, That's yeah. all of them. So I just, I just name them by the, the number that they get produced in the year. Okay. So mm -hmm. it's like the third painting in 2020. So it's like 0320. So it'll be like uh -huh. untitled and like the catalog number. So yeah. I can at least, at least yeah. have some kind of like index of what people are talking about. So yeah. they don't have to send me a screenshot of everything that they talk about. So for you, it's just totally like function. Yeah. It's not. I, Cause I don't want the title. I don't want the literary aspect of it to interfere mm -hmm. with the reading of it. Yeah, I've always felt the same way because I think it almost like forces you to look at it a certain way. Yeah, and it leads, like leads the viewing a pure of it. Experience and I think it. for some people who make work where the title makes sense is great. Like mm -hmm. I'm not like anti titles. Mm -hmm. I just for my work, it would it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't like help you see the painting, and it mm -hmm. doesn't. It just would it would just distract. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I suppose sometimes too, like, you know, the yellow banana shoe. It's like that could aid if it is abstract. What they want you to see something. But I mean, also like the title becomes its own art. Thing. Mm -hmm. It becomes like yeah. a function. It's not like it's not just um, it's not just neutral, yeah. right? Like if you if, I, if you saw a painting and said like the the, the green alien uh, I don't know plays basketball, you're like, well, now that's something else that I have to like think about in context yeah. of this yeah. thing, and like I, just the meanings get produced between those two things, and I'm not interested in like I'm not an author. I'm not interested in like narrative language like that so i just want the title to just get the hell out of the way yeah so i'm like just yeah. catalog it for like what number it is and then just let the painting be its own experience mm -hmm. with no confusing but that's just me i mean there are people who like I, people who come up with great titles I'm like man that's good mm -hmm. you know and it's like it's great to see but yeah there's definitely a few titles i've been like really impressed but yeah i agree with like the really long verbose like yeah, i mean after we stop recording annoying. i can talk to you about like specific artists yeah. too that I, that, that <laughs> that become just like, oh my God, please stop. Uh, There's this one dude that I'm not, I'm not gonna get into it, but yeah. we'll talk after we're <laughs> um, To you, how does, or does it even at all, um, how does COVID change the landscape of the art world? Oh, uh, I guess we're still trying to find out, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, predict. I, I don't know, it's hard to say, because like obviously there are like galleries that are closing because mm -hmm. of it. I think that if people can't go to see shows, there are no art fairs. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like the breaks are like, yeah, hopefully a lot of people survive it. And hopefully by 2021, there'll be a orgiastic spending of <laughs> art money and shows. And it'll be like, you know, it'll, yeah. come, it'll come. I mean, that's like the optimistic part of me is like, it'll bounce back and people will just be more excited about art and mm -hmm. buying art and supporting art and, it'll just like come back full force. Maybe now what, boom. I mean, that might be naively optimistic. Maybe it'll just like collapse and shrink and it'll, it, it'll retract into like the, the, the a more like accurate number of like what, what the ecosystem can sustain. Like maybe there yeah. will, there won't be 500 galleries. Maybe it'll just be like 10. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hope that the optimistic reading of it is right. Yeah. yeah. And that it'll come back full force. And I mean, but I'm also old enough. Like I remember, I mean, I, I'm more involved now than I was in 2008, but mm -hmm. like there was also like the financial crisis of 2008 mm -hmm. that like decimated a bunch of galleries too. Mm -hmm. I think it's also when you talk about the art worlds and the COVID impact, it's like the difference between like New York and Milwaukee is very different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like Milwaukee galleries can survive because there's the, just like low overhead. Mm -hmm. right. Like you're not paying like Chelsea rent. Like what yeah, do you do yeah. when you have, you know, like a $30,000 a month rent check due and you can't open your doors for people to come yeah. in and just buy work. Yeah. And, you know yeah. What I mean? Jeez. 
So I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see. I think we're still too close to, we're still in the middle of it. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to see in the next couple of years, like, what is the impact? I know for sure, like, there have been definitely, like, galleries that have closed. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm surprised by how, that there aren't more and how people are still staying afloat is mm-hmm. actually pretty amazing. So I think that's also maybe feeling optimism. Um, do you see a lot of parallels between 2008 and right now? Um, Everything right now is a little bit worse. It's hard. To, it's worse. too hard to tell. Right yeah. now. It's too early. And I also was, I'm more involved in the art world now than I was in 2008. So I think that um, if, if I had been in the mix more in 2008, I may have seen it, but I, just from stories that I've heard, but like a lot of people, yeah, there's a lot of people that went under mm-hmm. after the financial crisis mm-hmm. in 2008. Um, what advice would you give to uh, an aspiring painter in a COVID era? COVID era, I mean, I mean this is a, a, the, the weirdness of the moment that we're in mm-hmm. actually has a lot of advantages too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get a lot done right mm-hmm. now because no one has a social life. No one's going yeah. to bars, no one's going to shows, no one's going to, so there's a lot of, <laughs> this is also where the rubber hits the road. Like, is this really what you want to do with your life? Yeah. Because like now you have time to make the work and there's no excuse really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so either you're going to sink or swim. Right. Yeah. And if, and if making paintings and being in the studio is really where you want to be, that's what you'll, that's what you'll do. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's a great opportunity to get a heck of a lot done because the world is on pause. Yeah. Like you could, uh, like progress and evolve faster because you have more time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well. So um, I know you've been, or I think you've been teaching since like 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously COVID's kind of changed that. How has virtually teaching art, um, how has that uh, adjustment been for you? Um, I mean, I think we're also, that's something we're also in the middle of, yeah, right? Yeah. So I guess we're not going to know until the student evals come out at the end of the semester. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, I mean, it's, there's things that are gained and lost from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that it, the one thing it's, it's forced everybody to like have more like video content and more like tutorial content. Yeah. So that's stuff that's like is going to be useful when I go back to like in-person teaching. So now I'm going to have like a step-by-step, like how to do this. Yeah type of thing that I didn't already have. I mean, obviously there's a lot lost, especially in the arts. Because not not being there, you're just like, you can't. And like being in a room full of students all painting. Like I feel like seeing everyone's work. Right, the the things that, like the weird like like soft communication stuff that happens, like the influence, like the people, like seeing what's going on, the conversations that kind of just happen spontaneously that don't Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's all lost for sure. And also just like being present in a, yeah. It's hard to be like ambitious when there's n- you're not like around other people, mm-hmm. you know. So I guess we'll see what the impact is. Yeah. I mean, I think right now people are just like, let's just get through this. Yeah. yeah. Well, is there? Uh, I mean, what are we? How, was that like a short? We're, we're at an hour ten. Oh, that's about what you want, right? That's solid, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we'll put up some photos and yeah, stuff. Of course. Definitely. Um, but do you have any website or, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have my, I, I have yeah. my, yeah, I have my, uh, uh, Shane Walsh paintings.com. Okay. 
Oh, you can go and that. you can, you can, cause Eden's referencing a lot of the archives. Yeah. Yeah. Just funny. Cause it's like, I don't think, I, I mean, I, I contemplate taking that stuff down. Oh. So I want to be I'll like, come. you know, hide your tracks. You want to be like, <laughs> you want to be like, I was just, I was just born into this moment of, clar of clarity with my work. But there's, so there's like a weird, like a vulnerability to that. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm just kind of like showing the missteps yeah. or like the path to get to the, and, I, and it's cool to see the evolution. Yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah. watching you like, right. you know, the new forms too. Right. So I'm on the fence. Like, is it a good thing? Is it like, some days I'm like, I'm taking it all down. Mm. And other days I'm like, no, leave it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you should leave it up. Yeah. I like seeing everything. Yeah. I think it shows, yeah, the evolution, like you said. But I do understand that, like, you know, just to like the showcase is all the, you know, what you got going on now. Um, and it's also a preference. Like, do you want to believe that the artists are like hatched, fully formed with like brilliance right. into like this era? Or do you want to be like, oh no, they actually like took a weird circuitous route to get here and they're like, it's vulnerable and it's like, mm -hmm. yeah. Cause I, I mean, I cringe when I look at some of that stuff. I'm like, oh man, that was just not a good era. Yeah. Like, why did I spend so much time doing that? You know? But all that stuff also just like, if, the, the weird, if you, if you paint long enough, you realize that like things that seemed like, like sidetracks or inconsequential like mm -hmm. seven years ago end up popping up in ways you're like whoa crazy it's mm -hmm. so weird to see that stuff yeah and too i guess like for me going through them and like finding common threads like from the old stuff you know it's like interesting mm -hmm. to see that like oh you kind of did this here and you know it came back up here and yeah i mean i like that too like i go to artist talks i love seeing how they synthesize thing mm -hmm. like things that it seems scattered or idi like idiosyncratic or weird at the, at the beginning seeing how like oh now this becomes this but mm -hmm. in this like much more fully formed way and integrated mm -hmm. in this other thing yeah you know and that to me is exciting yeah it's like you see their thinking basically exactly. you can like see exactly. their, their, how yeah. their mind works just kind of like laid out throughout the time like yeah. wow and not all artists work that way and not all artists are like you know but oh one final question um who are some of your favorite artists? Man, that's another like top yeah. five favorite yeah. bands question. Right, I always like, one, it's least. like instantly just, you just go blank yeah. on it. Man, let's, let me think. Who are some of my favorite artists? Or someone who is like influential or someone whose work you admired when you were young. Yeah, I mean, I have so, I mean, there's tons of artists that I love and look at, but I also think that like, I think when you're, younger those things matter more to you as an artist mm -hmm. yeah um and i think that if you this is gonna probably sound weird but i think that as you your work starts to form itself like let fewer and fewer people can help you like i can like i can look at work that's not like mine at all like i can go and look at like a you know like a i don't know like an ava hess sculpture or yeah. like a or or, or like a you know, a painting like a Sigmar Polko painting or something like things that I can admire. Like this is your own thing, but I don't know. Because I think that when you're younger, you're kind of you're hungry and mm -hmm. you take things and you want to like, so you look for work that, you're, I mean, you're just like learning, mm -hmm. right? By looking. And I think that at a certain point, like the, that stuff, no one can help you mm -hmm. at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, like, you feel so like your work. Yeah. yeah and sense. so like, I can't, I don't look, at that stuff and be like what can I you just kind of have to be you're kind of like left alone yeah like your heroes kind of leave and you're like the people that you look at are like I mean you still have yeah. reverence for all that stuff and it's still like appreciation it's all that stuff but 
But it's also like a weird. I also think like probably musicians can't listen to their own music, can't mm-hmm. appreciate it. Like yeah. artists can't like look at their, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like, your relationship is always like, what can I? Especially when you're younger, it's like, what can I learn from this? What can I take from this? What can I get from this? Mm-hmm. You know. So it's like an you're like there's like an active viewing thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe. But that's almost in life too. You know, it's yeah. like you hit a certain point where it's like maybe nobody knows better than you on a certain. Or like no, you know, maybe no one knows. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you almost like hit a wall where well, it's like. Oh, I didn't mean to. Oh, you're good. I think once you hit, once you know your style, you almost you become that person that people look for. Yeah, I mean, that best case scenario for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, definitely. Like, like at first, maybe you, you know, when you're young, you're kind of searching, and then you kind of become your own island, and then people start searching for you yeah, on that island. That's what you, I mean. We hope for, right? Yeah. And also, like, I definitely was like a slow, a slow. I mean, it took me a long time. If I think about like how old I am, and like if you look at the work, like there are mm-hmm. some people. Like this is why I'm amazed by some of the some of the students that I've had over the last five years. Like you're making this work when you're this age. Mm-hmm. Like that is crazy to me. Where it's like definitive. Yeah, or, like, or it's just good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if I thought yeah. like the stuff I was making when I was 21 years old, it's like I, no one would see that. It would be it, it would be hidden away because like, yeah. I just was so slow to come to certain things. Mm-hmm. And I can't, you know, I know that I can't spend time like regretting that or whatever because everybody finds themselves different at different stages. Mm-hmm. That's also what's hard. In fact, for, as a teacher, I have to be kind of like patient with people too. Cause it's like mm-hmm. I know that you're. If you don't find, I mean, that's what's weird about that groups. Those groups that kind of graduated in the last few years, they were so. Like the work was like, bam, yeah. so early on. I was like, that mm-hmm. is just nuts to yeah. me. Um, not to be like ego, but do you feel like that had anything to do with your instruction? Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know that I'm a good teacher. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, I'm, and I'm probably not, yeah. but I would say like the one thing that I, I think that I do well is I get people to be, like, believe in themselves and take mm-hmm. themselves seriously. Yeah. And that painting matters and that you can be, like you can be next to your heroes. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're not like just because you're in Milwaukee and just because you're young doesn't mean that you're not, you can't be part of the canon of art history. Like you can do it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I might not be a good, like, you know, like academically oriented teacher, mm-hmm. but like I traditional, can, yeah, yeah, but I can, I think I can get people to make work and I can hopefully like pull the best stuff out of them yeah. and mm-hmm. get them to like, but like, at least believe in themselves and take it seriously. That's all that I'm like looking for, really. I mean, sometimes that's all it takes, I guess. But yeah, you know, ultimately, people t- yeah. end up teaching. You have to teach yeah. yourself mm-hmm. how to make your work, right? Yeah. So you just want to get them to a place where like they can, like autonomous. Yeah, where they, they 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 can like sell, they're self-sustaining. Yeah. And they don't yeah. need me. That's like the best thing in the world. Where like all I just get me out of the picture now and like do your you know. Yeah, you get the. Uh, wind up yeah yeah just yeah totally I mean that's also like you know when you're a freshman and sophomore and a junior you need more of that like but then the best thing when you can just back out of the studio and Mm -hmm. you're like you've everything you need to do just now you just need to make your work and learn from it damn yeah I mean just from an outside perspective I think you have way more positive influence than you think Mm. Um, that's great to hear I mean that's amazing (laughs) I would say almost any painter we've talked to mm-hmm. has brought you up. Mm-hmm. And so it's been amazing talking to you. And Well, that's super humbling. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's like the greatest thing to hear. Because, <laughs> you know, I walk around just like, oh, man, what, what am I doing? You know, like, I don't think that I have that kind of, 
impact. No, I mean, I hope. Sure. You like, do. Yeah, at, sure. And like, that's like the best case scenario is like get people to believe in themselves and then just like step away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to take it seriously, to have a painting culture in Milwaukee is like really important to me, you know? Yeah. I mean, but like, how. I guess, do you facilitate that through like getting students to believe? You also have like, to do it by example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to be about it to make other people be about it too. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, lead, you don't even have to say anything. It. It's sense. not linguistic. It's not like, it's not it's like pedagogical. Words. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you sure. can just yeah. be an example and just do it, live it, and like be an example that other people can do it too if you want to. And mm -hmm. it's hard. Like, having a, a, a career as an artist, but living in Milwaukee is a, we haven't really talked about this, but like it's really, really super difficult to do yeah. to live here and to have a even to supplement your income, even a certain percentage of art sales. It's hard. Mm -hmm. You have to have connections to other places. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And I think that's a question that we've discussed is like, can people make it in Milwaukee? And I think oh, but they it's can. Like if, if people keep leaving, though, yeah, a lot of people leaves. don't tend to leave. Yeah, but you also understand why they're leaving. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But it's, like, know, it's, it's like, isn't it like a weird like cycle though? Because sure. if people don't stop leaving, that's not gonna be able to. But I mean, this is what we were talking about. Like, if you, if I was in like a Hollywood, if I was like an actor, yeah, and mm -hmm. I lived in North Dakota, and I was wondering why I wasn't getting acting gigs, yeah. it's like mm -hmm. you don't live where this is happening. Yeah, <laughs> but if enough people stay and made it happen do you think it could turn into something else? i mean an art an ecosystem of an art of an art world is a lot of different things like you have yeah. to have money you have to have interest you have to have um infrastructure yeah. and right now yeah. it's like it's in any city other than like new york or los angeles or london it's like yeah. they're it's just those things aren't there yeah because something that i remember you mentioning was like there's like a culture in new york how like parents will like teach their kids like Right or something, how to buy? I mean, there's just like more of a. It's more of an expectation to to you know like to support arts and care about it and go to museums. Mm -hmm. Like it's just an expectation. It's kind of like baked in. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's probably I don't know the, like the reasons why. I mean, maybe the Midwest is more conservative, or maybe there's just like a more practical nature to the people who have settled here and live here. Mm -hmm. But art isn't as like yeah valued necessarily yeah. or as like it would be on the east coast or but i think it also has to do with size and infrastructure and like there's an arts industry there mm -hmm. do you think that does it make sense for a young artist to go to new york if they're only like 50 percent committed or do you think you have to be fully committed to go or can you go half committed and then the city would like inspire you to you know how can really i answer that it? question <laughs> I think it's I think it's totally individual for yeah, each but person. Like, but wouldn't I mean can't didn't the city like eats people up? I think it eats people up, and I think it also totally inspires and, and propels people. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta cut that part off. <laughs> <laughs> I can edit that. Yeah, no, I think it can be really. I mean, I, I, you you know, the I totally understand why people leave the city. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that it's, if, if we're lucky to have like a, a, a painting culture that can be like, there's an, enough of a critical mass where you can actually name it or put your finger on it in the city for even a short period of time, we're mm -hmm. lucky. Yeah. You know? That makes so. sense. Well. Yep. Good interview. Yeah. Thanks again for coming Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having great. me. Thanks for having us here. Yeah. Um, thank you. Artists we know, this is Aiden. This is Kyle. This is Shane. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.